I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. I'm here with Mark Picard today. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, Mark, Mark's going to interview me. This is the this is going to be the me episode, I guess. So uh, yeah, you can tell I'm already uncomfortable. So let, we'll we'll go ahead. I'll I'll let you I'll let you uh, lead this one, Mark. So so for the people that are just listening to this episode, uh, Jason is pretty much red right now. Just so you know, <laughs> he's 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 not in a good place. So um, just to put you in, in context, so I'm, uh, I'm Jason, podcast manager, and it's something I do with my, with my clients. We sort of do a reverse episode because sometimes I've, I've realized that um, I work with, with really busy individuals like you, and we'll need to, you will need to talk about your schedule and all that. But anyways, I realized that lots of my clients don't have time to produce content that talks about themselves so I sort of do a reverse type of interview and uh, so you get to know a little bit more the host um, and you know that's 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 the way we're going to do that today um, how are you today Jason I'm good how are you Mark I'm good so early morning in LA yeah 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 it's a uh, 5 5:40 right now 545. <laughs> 540 do you always wake up early like that are you like an an, an early bird uh, yes I, yeah I've always been an early bird I uh I don't I know some people have like I get up at 4 30 every morning but you know what I mean I don't necessarily have a set this is what time I get up but most of the time I'm up by 5 30 you know sleeping in for me is seven maybe so wow. if, if if the if the kids somehow let that happen but uh but yes yeah, so, so, so i don't it makes me feel like i'm wasting time if i if i get up too early or if i is don't it, get up early sorry is it something that you change by having kids or or is it something you were always like that or I, i've kind of always been an early morning person i'm not a night person uh i don't oh. like staying up late i don't i don't do it very often and i don't uh I don't feel good when I do it. So I've just always been, I mean, I feel like even since I was a kid, I've just always been, you know, sort of, sort of early to bed, early to rise. Um, and, and once I got, once we, we had kids, uh, it actually became even a little bit more important to do that on purpose because I can get things done before, before they wake up. Okay. So that's the main reason. So, Hey, can you, um, uh... I know, like, so we exchange a lot of WhatsApp messages and all that, but I'm really curious, and I know there's pretty much a lot of people that listen to this podcast that probably are curious as well, but what does your day-to-day -day schedule look like? Like, I'm really curious. So you're, you're a vet surgeon, you have your own company, yeah. you also, of course, there's the whole real estate uh, thing that takes a lot of room in your life, but so, okay, so you wake up at, at you wake up at, at five ish. What do you do? What is your, your, what is your schedule? 
Um, I, I either, <laughs> I either record an episode of the podcast like this. So I, that's one of the, you know, sort of openings on my Calendly that I use for, uh, for the podcast recordings, because I know it's, you know, it's a time that I can be available. And I know uh, a lot of people, you know, like yourself are sort of ahead in the time in whatever time zone they are. So, and I do, uh, I do business in, uh, on the East coast. So a, a lot of my sort of colleagues are, are essentially starting their day, you know, at, at, 5.36 a.m. for me. So it's a, it's a good time to get work done. Um, if I don't have something like that, usually that means I'm getting up and going to the gym because that's, again, another another time that I can go and, and not impact my family. So okay, that's kind of the start of the day. It is usually pretty early to so try to get something done before uh, before it's time to you know take care of kids or, or go to work. Um, in terms of day-to-day, -day, I mean, the, Every day is a little bit different, but uh, I, as you mentioned, I, so I have a, a W-2 job as a veterinary surgeon. I also own my own business uh, as a mobile surgeon. And then yes, and then the, the real estate stuff on top of it. So the day-to-day the -day is <laughs> fitting the real estate around surgeries uh, is probably <laughs> in a nutshell what happens a lot during the day, uh, except for early morning and at night. Um, it's funny. It's got. We, we've recently been working on closing some deals, and it's gotten at, at the time of closing, it gets much much more uh, busy. There's a lot of phone calls, emails, you know, people texting, and all of that. And I've toyed with the idea of having headphones on in the OR uh, just so that I can <laughs> continue to to take those calls and things like that. Um, fortunately, it hasn't come to that. I don't really want to do that. I, I think uh, <laughs> it's it's. Obviously, you need to focus on when you're doing surgery, so it, it's something that I don't I don't want to do. But um, but yeah, it's it's a little bit of a balancing act. There's definitely a uh, component of it that um, gets hectic sometimes, and it, it's I don't I don't intend to keep this schedule forever, right? There's so a, so what is it? So you 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 need to be at work at what time? Like typical typical day? Typically between seven and eight. It depends Seven and on eight. Sort of what, um, you know, kind of what, which job I'm doing. But yeah, typically uh, it's going to start by by eight o'clock. If and then it's surgery after surgery until. Yep. And then so my W two job is is like anybody else's W two job. If I'm there, basically there, you know, sort of eight to five ish. Uh, it, it's when when the surgeries are done is when I'm done. So it's it's not being a veterinarian is definitely not a like a nine to five punch a clock job. It's, it's um, sometimes it's all day because we're on call at night. So it's like, there's, there's times where it's, I'm at work at 2 a.m. or something like that, doing a surgery, if there's an emergency that is um, necessary. My, my, my business, my mobile surgery business, I don't really do emergencies in that instance. Um, and typically, at least at this point, the way I've got that structured is usually I have, I'm usually done with whatever I'm going to do there by like between noon and 2 p.m. Um, so it leaves me the afternoon. And that's also where I'll I'll put in a lot of my real estate is on those, you know, kind of second half of those days uh, when I've done when I've done mobile work. So come home, record some podcasts, you know, phone calls, do some whatever it is, do some underwriting, look at deals, that kind of thing. So I, I try to fit in uh, the real estate that's not urgent 
wherever I'm not, you know, doing other things. When it's urgent, I just have to do it. I see. I see. How long have you had that that mobile surgery business? Uh, this is uh, year four. Year four. And why you started to do that? Where where was that coming uh, from? Or... Interesting. I, so I had a, a different W two job at the time, and to be honest, I was bored. It just wasn't a very busy hospital, and <laughs> I. Okay. I don't like being bored up, which may be obvious from the start of this conversation. I, I like to stay busy. Um, it's also, it's funny that same time being, being sort of bored at work, I is when I started my investing journey in general. So I, I, I often tell people that five years ago, my, uh, my retirement strategy was don't retire. I just was, I wasn't gonna, that, that was my plan, like, which is a stupid plan now in hindsight, but, but that was my plan. I was just, I like work. So I'm like, I'll just keep working. Yeah. Um, at that time I got into, uh, we had, uh, I was rolling over some, some previous IRAs and things like that, 401ks. And we also had sold our house in Houston. And so we had kind of some money that I was like, I probably should do something smart with this money. Cause up until that point, like a good example of, of how bad I was at this, I had I, I had an IRA IRA account that I had opened maybe 10 years ago because an accountant told me, do you have I, I was they were doing my taxes. She said, Do you have a 401k at work? I said, No. She said, you should open an IRA. Okay. So I put in the maximum into the IRA for for two years that that I was there without a 401k. And that's all I did. I just put it in there. I didn't invest it. I didn't do anything. So I put like ten thousand dollars into this account that literally was worse than putting it in a savings account because an IRA for people who don't know, if you don't actually either invest it yourself or give it to, or tell someone to invest it for you, it literally does nothing. It's just money sitting in, you might as well have it in a bag under your mattress. And so yeah, I had done nothing good with that. So basically I used that time that I was bored at work to kind of figure out stock investing. I just, was like, oh, I've never really done this before. Maybe I should start thinking about this stuff. So I, so I started doing that, and uh, call it call it luck, call it the market, whatever you want. It's it's done very well for me in in these you know five years since I really started doing that because I got to put in a chunk of money. So that's that's been helpful, uh, you know, in terms of, I guess starting to build some confidence in terms of investing and just realizing that you can take the take the information that's out there and and learn and 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 just be smart about it it also taught me the very important investing skill of not panicking because a lot of people especially in the stock stock market because we can have such big swings will put their money in and see uh you know have a day where all of a sudden things drop by 30% and they think they need to sell. And, and the reality is that that's actually when you should buy because over time, as long as you're investing in good companies over time, you're not speculating over time, it's going to go up. And a, a perfect example for me, I had invested in Shopify, which is like Canada's uh, Amazon, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I'd invested in Shopify at, I want to say like, $70 a share. I just read an article and they're like, this is going to be a big thing. I invested in Shopify at $70 a share. It went up to like 150 over a year. It was doing really well. They had a bad day for whatever reason. It dropped down to like 110. I sold, I sold it all. 
I was, it scared me. I sold it all. I was like, ah, I'm going to cash out now. Shopify for whoever knows, doesn't know is about $1,500 a share right now. So it's just a, a good example. And by the way, I bought back in thankfully, but <laughs> I just, I, I panic sold and people do that all the time. Like we see what happens in the stock market. Uh, we see things like what happened with GameStop and AMC and all of that craziness that um, people that, that maybe are, are speculating or just maybe just don't understand that the, the fickle nature of, of stock market, um, how, what that can do to you if, if you panic about it. And so I, I learned a good lesson there. I also learned that through that, I learned all of those things that can happen in stock investing. I also learned that if I want any of that money, I got to sell the stock, right? So it's really cool to look at my Robinhood account and see the number go up and up over time. But if ever I want any of that money, I have to sell the stock and I just don't have it anymore. And so that's a big part of why now I'm so interested in real estate, right? Because real estate can give me money with through the cash flow without even having to having to sell the asset. And it has tax, tax advantages that stock doesn't have. So um, it's kind of, a, I guess, a little bit off topic of what you what you asked it me, matter. but it, it's that was probably that job was when I realized that I needed to maybe start thinking about retirement, maybe, maybe thinking about, you know, some of these things. And initially my thought of retirement was, it was going to be the traditional way through stocks and 401k and IRA. But your question was, you know, how did I start that mobile surgery business? So, like I said, I was kind of bored, uh, part of, you know, part of set our salaries as, as veterinary and veterinary surgeons is some of that's production. So like, if you're not doing a lot of surgery, you're, you're not making as much money. Um, and a friend of mine who was doing some mobile work as a cardiologist said, Hey, this clinic asked me about a mobile surger, surgeon. Is there any, would you be interested in that? And I was like, sure. I, 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 I've always been, if someone presents an opportunity, like, I'll, I don't say no, I'll say, yeah, let me, let's talk about it. So I talked to them about it uh, and started that really with no intention of it becoming a business. Um, and it has just grown. I've never marketed it once. Uh, I now have more work than I can actually handle in that business. Perfect. I just, it's, it's already, I'm too busy there. So it's uh, it's something that that has become bigger than I thought it would, but it but it, it works well, uh, and it's a. I like the control of my time with that. Yeah, I understand. Just side note, people. I mean, I okay. I work in marketing, so I know the importance of marketing, digital marketing, and be on top of your social media and all that. But I feel we got lost sometimes in business. We got caught up into marketing is even in more important than making a sale type of thing. We started to think this way, you know, that business is uh, the success of a business is directly linked to the marketing aspect of it. It's true to some extent, but at the end of the day, if you don't generate any sales, it means you're not in a market that there's, there's a gap for your product. You know what I mean? There's no demand for your product already. So sitting in a business like your mobile business that you're already generating sales 
and you have no social media, you have no website, you have nothing, you, you are in the best position because whenever you will decide to, to you know, gear up and, and work a little bit your marketing, it's like you're going to pour gasoline yeah. on a little spark. I'm working for a company in Canada that they sell um, special effect makeup for movie set and, and pottery, you know, like the, the, the kiln and the, the yeah. arts and craft type of thing. Before I started working for them, they were uh, selling for about $400,000 a month more or less. And I started working with them and now they're at a half a million a month in, in a matter of couple of months. They never did any marketing. They were just the only one in a certain very specific niche market, which is the special effect makeup market for, cin for cinema. There's not a lot of competition, but they were already sitting on sales. So you do a little bit of marketing on top of that and you blow it up. It's crazy. It's like, so you're you're in a really good position yeah. with with that mobile business because you never know you know that that can become part of your uh, of your retirement plan type of thing you know to still keep a foot in what you're passionate about which is doing surgery and being having freedom of time because I think that's that's the idea you know and. Um, that mobile surgery, sorry, uh, I'm, I'm interested. How does it work? Like people call you and you show up in your car with like a surgeon kit or how does it work? Basically, yes. So uh, oh, yeah. a lot of people think, a lot of people think, oh, you're doing like surgery out of a van or something like that. That's not what it is. I'm just basically, when, when I work my W-2 job, it's in a, what we would call a specialty clinic. So Essentially, at my W-2 job, the, the only thing that happens is specialty veterinary medicine, right? So it's like all everybody who works there is either a specialist, a veterinary specialist, or they're an emergency doctor. So most specialty clinics are like 24-hour emergency plus, plus specialty vets. So it's like surgeons, uh, cardiologists, oncologists, like, like next-level trained veterinarians. Not We don't do vaccines, right? So you wouldn't go to my specialty clinic for your dog's vaccines or like the stuff that you go to your family vet on a, on a regular basis. Okay. When I go, when I do my mobile surgery, all I'm doing is I'm going to your family vet and doing surgery at their clinic. So ah, you okay. get to kind of, you know, stay at home basically at, and, and have it at your regular vet. Now there are, there are surgeries I can't do in the mobile clinic because of uh, specialized equipment or, you know, tech needs or things like that. But, but I, I come with, I do, I come with some bins of equipment. I have, uh, I bring my own techs. Like I have my own, I bring specialty techs into the family veterinarian clinic. So it's, it's, uh, we, we try to practice at a very high level. It's just in that, you know, in a different environment. So there are differences, uh, but, it's in terms of the surgery, it's still me. So it's, you know, kind of the, the surgery side of it is, is the same. Uh, my techs are techs I would have or, and have had work for me in specialty clinics. So all of the, I guess, higher risk components of it are still the same, right? The anesthesia okay. is basically still the same. The surgery is still the same. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, your most family vets don't have like 24 hour care and things like that. So it's, it's probably a little bit less, uh, I guess, 
in for intensive type procedures it's not it's not where we want to do it but uh but i think there's definitely a, a component of you know taking care of pets that that it fits in well for i see okay so so you're a vet surgeon you realize that if you're not doing surgery there's no income so you're sort of you have golden shackles type of thing you realize that so then if i understand you well you're like i'm gonna have i have a brilliant idea i'm gonna open my own mobile clinic in order to because i don't want to retire i love what i do and then you open that and then you end up working as twice as much right. then so I then you said shackles on yeah <laughs> yeah and then you said oh shit so maybe i should do stocks right yeah so you went into stocks and now you're you switch to real estate is that is that the idea yeah i haven't completely so, gotten out of stocks i mean i still have some money in stocks i, I have okay. uh, taken some of it out to invest in real estate but no i i i, I think diversification is Diversification is a word that gets thrown or thrown around a lot. Um, I think without understanding, right? People yeah. people think diversification means one specific thing, but I think you could be, you could own three different stocks and be diversified, or you could have several businesses that you work in and be diversified. I, I think there's a lot of a lot of components to it. So, so yeah, I, I don't. I guess I've never been I've never been the person who thinks about things the same way as everybody else does. So uh, I, I think I probably take a little bit of a different perspective about a lot of it. But yeah, the, the I mean, the golden shackles thing is 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 and was true. My mobile business has had every year so far 50 percent growth in revenue without any marketing like the the marketing is is my reputation It's just people people know that I do what I say I'm going to do and I'm I'm pretty good at surgery so <laughs> it's kind of uh, it, it just works out well and and it's and you're right if I if I marketed it I, I just I like if I marketed I wouldn't have the time to keep up with the amount of work I would have so it's uh yeah it's been it's been good it's been uh it's a good I guess diversification of my my time yeah absolutely and so now what's up in real estate what's going on what are you working on like today what's the uh yeah um i mean currently uh, focus of of my real estate company which is lark capital is multifamily syndication so um essentially just to define syndication for anybody who doesn't know is basically using using a or pooling people's money together to buy an asset that is more expensive than perhaps one person could afford on their own. Um, and the generally you're going to have a, a segment of that syndication that is the uh, managing partners or the general partners as they're referred to or the sponsors. And then you're going to have a segment of that syndication that's the limited partners, which are the investors and they, br they bring the capital. So that's kind of where it has gone for me in, in the the reason that it it went to multifamily syndication for me again has to do with uh just time time commitment um in terms of like i've real estate's not new to me i've been i've been in construction since i was probably 15 
Like I've worked, I worked in construction. I, you know, it started as I helped my uncle build his house. You know, I, I worked for contractors. I worked for an electrician. Like uh, our current house that we live in, we, we stripped it down to the studs. Everything's brand new. And I did 75% of it myself. Like we uh, hired out a few things that I don't like to do like plumbing, but it, but for the most part, like I, I can, I can build a house. I, I know how to do that. So my, and my mind in terms of real estate investing was always probably going to be construction or fix and flip. That's really what I, what I saw myself doing and what I have always done. But again, I realized that that, that would be basically throwing in another job. So it yeah. was kind of like, if I'm going to flip houses, I know myself well enough that I would not be good at handing that work off. Right. So, okay. if, so if I flipped houses like close to me here in Los Angeles, I'd be in there working when I'm not already working. So it's just kind of it. it I realized how much of a like time commitment that would be. And I think flipping houses in LA would be fantastic. Like the appreciation that happens here is great. You're not going to cash flow probably on on multifamily, but but the the appreciation is great. So. Um, I'll do that someday with my kids because I enjoy it. I enjoy construction and I want to teach them those skills. But right now it just, thankfully I realized it didn't fit in without actually doing it because I know that would have been something that just, you know, sort of tied me up. So um, I worked through what some people work through by actually doing, they end up at multifamily. I sort of worked through it in my mind and through reading books and, and podcasts having, I mean, having said that, I have worked in, in the construction space. So it's not like I had no knowledge of what's involved, but I, I worked through it all and then and kind of came to the conclusion that my ability to scale and ultimately be more hands-off, although it's not hands-off in the beginning, is gonna be through, through multifamily syndication. And for me, I see that as both being a limited partner and a general or managing partner at, at you know, sort of, taking advantage of both sides. So, and so you started this podcast, uh, exactly. I have the schedule behind my screen, exactly 45 episodes yeah. ago. <laughs> yep. So, um, did you meet people through the podcast? Did you, did you, did, did the podcast brought you some deals or, or new knowledge or new, do you see any benefit of the podcast on your investing career as a, I do, I real think estate? Definitely, uh, I've met people through the podcast, and I have had, you know, people reach out to me uh, from the podcast. I think that I don't, uh, I don't know if it's it hasn't necessarily brought any deals yet, uh, but I think that it has helped me. It has helped me network in a way that I'm more comfortable with because I'm very uncomfortable in like large group situations where, you know, like the networking events. And so I'm uncomfortable. Also, we had COVID. So there were, you know, sort of two reasons to, to not necessarily be at these networking events. I recognize that at some point I need to <laughs> challenge my comfort zone once again and go to these networking events and things, but it has helped me do some of that networking in a different way and uh, in, in talking to people. And I, and I, enjoy the conversations. And so it allows me, then I, you know, we meet people I, I stay connected with and, and follow up with and stuff. And so 
Um, and some of the people I've met, I've been able to then bring them as guests on the podcast. So it, it's kind of, uh, I think, has been helpful. And, and I think it will probably over time, as it becomes more known, it will also get, you know, it will help more and more. No, for sure, for sure, for sure. You never know. You never know. Because now you you will enter into, you know, a guy that know a guy, right. you know, yep. you know, a guy that knows a guy you need, you need someone that is specialized in X, Y, Z. You will know someone that know that someone, yep. you know, as uh, the more your network will grow, but are you currently working on any deal? Like, are you, um, did you close uh, recently on, um, I think you went for a storage unit. I think that the last time we spoke, we did an episode together. It was the storage unit in Atlanta, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah. So the storage unit deal is closed. That closed July, and that was that's in actually Mississippi. So um, okay. that one was kind of an interesting. This actually came came about from networking, just from being introduced to you know, person who knew a person who knew a person. Um, they were like, oh, you should talk to this guy, and and when I did. Uh, Funny, I, I, I was supposed to be talking to them about multifamily and they said they had um, gotten out of multifamily and switched to self-storage because they felt like the returns were better. And they were like, you have any interest? Sure, I have interest. Like I said before, if I <laughs> presented an opportunity, I'm not going to just say no to it. You know, so I said, I'm interested, talk about it. Um, turns out, you know, we ended up doing a, a joint venture, a group of us on these self-storage units. Um, thus far performing fantastically so it, it's it's really uh going well and i think um very happy to be in that deal uh in terms of you know sort of my own multifamily deals uh we have two under contract uh in atlanta the first one um was was supposed to be closing today uh last week had a bit of a kind of implosion uh from a from the lender side, basically, um, long story short, essentially there was some issues with with the seller's side and their their reporting. Uh, when you have when you're going for agency debt, which is government um, sponsored debt, there are a lot more hoops to jump through. They they really are going to be they're essentially constantly reevaluating the deal. And so, if at any point you know the the I's aren't dotted and the T's aren't crossed they're going to they're going to change things and so uh, they did they changed things at the very last moment for us um as we record here i'm you know or when when we finish recording i will probably spend be spending the rest of this day trying to see if i can salvage that deal so this is a thing that happens this is a, I, I it's i'm i'm not the first person that this has happened to uh i've heard other people tell the stories this had happened fortunately i think a lot of the times you know, the, the sides figure out a way to make it work. Um, you know, there are a lot of different debt options. And so we can switch to something called bridge debt, uh, but it takes a little bit of time to get that in place. And so we need to let, we need to have sellers that are willing to allow that to happen. And so it's just a, what I've learned a lot along the way in, in these deals is that uh, sometimes it's like herding cats because you're just trying to get, <laughs> getting one person to, you know, fill out a piece of paper that needs to go to this person. And there's just things constantly happening. And you're, you're sort of 
as the as the managing partner, your your job is really to make sure those things happen, right? It's not even necessarily yeah. like I don't have to do everything, but I need to make sure that those things happen. So there's a lot of coordinating and uh, you know putting those puzzle pieces together. And every time you come up a road to a roadblock, you got to figure out how to get over it. So it's kind of it it's it's like I said, it's just a a constant, you know, sort of one hurdle, another hurdle, another hurdle. Let's, let's, okay, there's the hurdle. Let's not get upset about it. Let's figure out how to fix it, right? So it's surprisingly similar to what can happen in surgery, right? It's just something that you think, I think a lot of people would think veterinary surgeon has nothing to do with real estate. And in a, in a way, sure, it has nothing to do with real estate, but at the same time, those those skills that I have developed as a surgeon, like I can't quit in a surgery, right? Like if it's not going my way, it's not happening. I can't quit. Like if I'm fixing a fracture and it's not coming together the way I want it to, I can't stop. I can't just be like, "Hmm, sorry, (laughs) sorry about your leg dog. Like, no, I have to fix it. And so I have tried to bring that not even like, unwillingness to quit inability to quit that is my that's how I look at it there's and I I don't I don't quit anyway but I I I look at it there are certain things in life like I can't quit on my kids right I can't I can't quit in a surgery so I won't quit on these deals I just don't I don't look at it as an option so it's kind of uh that doesn't mean that I don't have days where it's like oh, this is really terrible, (laughs) right? There's not days where you don't feel like that. And I don't want to give people the impression that it's like, you never have that. But it's just, if you just don't, if that's not an option, then what happens? You know, that's kind of how I say, like, if if there's no, if I can't quit, then, okay, I better figure out how to fix it. So that's kind of what what I've tried to to take that mentality into real estate as well. You would be a good ultra runner for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, so you have one deal that you're going to salvage today and you have another one that is working out, no? Yeah, yeah. The other one, the uh, other one? should close in December, also in Atlanta. So they're, they're actually uh, about a mile and a half apart from each other. And so they actually have a lot of good synergies. So it, we, we want them both to close because they're, they'll have benefits they'll benefit each other having sort of having both so uh we want them to close for a number of reasons but yeah that's certainly certainly one of them so yeah we have two going on that uh the other one's fine it's there's it's on track we we encountered some hurdles along the way there we had to actually same thing had to sort of adjust our debt debt structure from what we initially planned um that involves some renegotiation with the seller there you know so there were uh components of it there that that we may have to go ahead and and sort of do the same on the other one but it's again it's just it's just an obstacle right it's an obstacle that has a solution and so we'll find the solution and and that's the thing you 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 never know it's the same thing in marketing like sometimes some clients will ask me something and I really don't know. I need to make, I need to do so much research because it's a world that, that constantly change and change. The platforms are changing. Facebook is changing right now. Instagram is changing <laughs> with the metaverse that we should talk about. Hey, okay. Okay. Let's talk metaverse. Let's talk about it. 
are you aware of the impact that thing is gonna have on your business and on the real estate business are you aware of that did you ever think about that no i hadn't i had okay i mean i i know how like facebook is so so big and integrated that that changing the the name of it even is just it's going to cause a lot of headaches i think and, and oh that's for I sure i don't know how it's going to impact me i guess but i i i have thought about that a little bit so the metaverse is a digital universe all right so basically you know you can have a house a digital house and uh and you live in it and you can hang out with your friends virtually and all that all right it's a it's the continuity of what we're already doing we're socializing through a through a platform all right but think about it you know um someone that sort of grow up with this type of technology i'm wondering what type of home that person will have yeah okay so i'm not sure if we, we they're gonna go in that huge mansion and that huge lifestyle and that you know what i mean maybe we society will move towards a more minimalistic lifestyle because the digital world will be so rich yeah. you know that that's a possibility or it's going to be the other extreme people will have huge mansion that bigger than before to sort of match the 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 digital world you know what the experience in the digital world so we don't know it's very very interesting and the other thing that you should pay attention is you could become we could start talking about digital real estate you yeah. could buy a 3d asset you know using nfts so using the blockchain technology, there's only one house that you design digitally and you sell it. We're going to create digital real estate investors. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. Roblox, the little game Roblox, your children are a little too young for that, but they might play Minecraft or, or Roblox or, or things like that. It's already, uh, it's already happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how this will impact the, the vacation rental business, for example. You could rent a virtual mansion for like two hours with your friend and, and there's games in it and you pay per hour. You know what I mean? Spend a weekend in a virtual mansion. It's not my type of trip, but you know, people yeah. will people will do it. It's crazy. That's gonna be. If I was a real estate investor right now, that would be my top priority to get informed on every single aspect of metaverse because this is going to be huge, yeah. huge. Interesting. Yeah, I, had, I know I hadn't thought about it all, but yeah, that's that's. Been a oh, it's not a small concept, thing. But I, I totally could see that being, you know, being a thing where people are uh, just virtually vacationing and and you know all of that. Yeah, it makes makes total sense. Or imagine an agent. So you sell property in, in, in LA and you want to sell a property to someone that lives in New York, you have a perfect 3D rendering that the person can walk inside the, the actual building. Yeah. You know, and that does sort of already exists, but it's, it's nothing compared to what's, what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, that I've, I, you're right. It, it's sort of already, you know, you can do, uh, yeah, if you're trying to rent out an apartment, you can, you know, sort of stage that apartment 
film your sort of walkthrough and then have it be a, a you know for potential tenants can look at that and and be you know essentially know exactly what the apartment's going to be like without ever going in it so i think yeah that technology is already happening and, and it's only going to get yeah i i think about that you know what what the way that technology has changed things just in in my life and i think about like what what my kids are going to just what's going to be you know in another 20 years what it's going to be for them that it's just going to be oh yeah Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we're we're entering, we're we're going fully digital. And the beauty of it is we're starting to understand those technologies. And I I think the more we, we will evolve, less we will think the digital world and the real world. It's not gonna be one thing or the other. It's gonna be yeah. just one world, and there's a chunk that is digital because we're already in it anyway. You know, and one part that is physical because you know we're in it, and we're gonna start living on both world. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Talking about that, how is the social media going? How is the? I was just thinking, as you're saying that we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna be living in both words worlds. I'm like, who? I'm gonna be bad at that because as <laughs> as, as you know, uh, social media is not my specialty. I. Uh, very thankful to you for your guidance and help with all of it and and uh content creation but i i, I it's i mean it's going well because i have you right that's that's what i i think it, it is going well i think there's uh being able to you know put out the the content from the the um podcast and, and everything is is good and having your guidance as to what are the right things to put on there and all of that it's very helpful so i think it's going well but i think that i I realized that I, I don't know if it's a generational thing or whatever, but when I'm doing things, I'm, I'm doing them. And I don't think to pull out my phone and take a picture or a video every time I'm playing with my kids, right? Like I, I see that I'm like, oh, cute. I want to take a picture of this sometimes and take, I do take pictures, but it's not like I don't have the mentality of, I need to do this so that I can, you know, sort of document it on my social media. When I'm at work and I'm doing surgery, I'm not thinking like I need pictures of this. And I know you tell me like, well, what we want, you need to show people what's in your day to day. It's not even so much that I don't want to, or want, you know, somehow want it to keep it a secret. It's just not my, my mindset to, to always be doing that. Right. And that, you know, yeah. I, I see, you know, people, obviously people do it, right? Did you, uh, social media is huge. It's just not been, it's a hard shift for me to make and like, okay. Think so of that specifically. My advice to you is you still think like a user. You still think, you don't think like a marketer. You think like a user right now. The user will post their daily routine. You know what I mean? They're going to wake up in the morning and here's my coffee. Here's my coffee. Here's my breakfast. Here's my child eating my breakfast. Here's me going to work. Here's me at work. They, they're going to do a real-time documentation of their life, which is okay. All right? Which is, which is okay. Marketers, what we do is we create a strategy. So, we, so obviously, you cannot drop down your scalpel and all your tools and taking a selfie when you have a dog that is about to die on the surgery table that that you cannot do that and i think it's a wonderful thing that when you do something you do something at 100 
that don't ever change it. However, maybe two, three hours per month, you could dedicate two, three hours per month it, to create content. Because between uh, what I create for you for the podcast, you know, and be, between like the covers and all the artwork and the micro content and all that, you have like one or two posts, maybe a week that is like up to you. But maybe investing two, three hours a month and gathering content and say, okay, I'm going on a hike with my family. I'm going to just take 10 pictures of that. That's going to be the picture I'm going to post for the month. And that's it. I think that will be beneficial because, because yes, we, we need to enter in your world. You need to welcome the people in your world, in your life. But no, you cannot do what you just said. You cannot start, you know, in the middle of a surgery, taking a selfie and, and not being with your children and, and thinking about creating content when you're with your children. This is fucked up. You need to enjoy your children while you're with your children. That, that's, totally, that's totally normal, you know. But you need to start thinking like a marketer saying, okay, I need, I need some, some content in the bank type of thing so you could even think about oh can i reuse some of those older posts for example go back to the first interviews and you could absolutely repost some some micro content so the little video i create for you you can absolutely repost that you know and sort of or you could post something that you you, know, you took you took a picture of something a month ago you could post it today you know but yeah. the idea is to always sort of carry that bank of content no influencer i'm telling you no influencer that really makes it and they, they, they earn it they're living on instagram or whatever no one does it without having a strong bank of content it just doesn't exist makes sense. you makes never sense. want to run out of content you you want to gather it gather it put it in a file in your in your phone and when you're ready to post something you just go in that bank and and that's the way to do it yeah. You know, yes. so you need to think about a, a marketer. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before I, I ask those uh, those question to you? No. Is there anything else that comes in comes into mind? No, I think I think the questions will probably be uh, a good a good next topic. I think we'll, we'll hit some more answers there. That's cool. So, all right, I'll try to do it as well as you do. So this la this last part of the podcast is linked to the name of the podcast know your why so uh you know you believe in in the power of the why so jason what is your why yeah uh i mean it's it's my family it's my it's my kids i i um as i said i i worked i've always worked a lot that's not that's not new uh, even that's not a recent thing. It was always kind of like, oh, I want to make a little more money. I'll pick up another job. I'll do something on the side, whatever it was. But when I, when my son was born, he's two and a half now, when my son was born, I was immediately struck by, I, if I keep this up, I'm going to miss everything. I've, I've already missed a lot of things. Like I've missed, I, I remember it, you know, throughout my life. Like I said, I've been working for forever. I worked uh, I worked for my uncle, who I said, you know, helped him build his house, but he had a, a pressure washing company, right? So we washed big trucks, like the the semi semi trucks. I worked for him for 15 years, I think, something like that. And on on weekends and summers and all of that, I started when I was 12 or 13. And I I I thank 
him for instilling in me the work ethic that I have. I, I, I give him credit for that. But I, I know now that I missed a lot of things because of work. I know he's missed a lot of things because of work. And there's, it's a difficult thing, I think, to balance as a father, the being the provider, but also being there for them. Right. And so like, like 20 or 30 years ago, you weren't, you weren't supposed to be there for them, right? You were supposed to be the, you were supposed to be out working and make, you know, sort of being the, just the provider. But now, uh, and I don't really care what I'm supposed to do. That's not, <laughs> I, I don't mean to say that that's what I, how I base things on. I, I want to spend time with them. So it's just, I was struck by, I can't, if I can't make money some way outside of, something that takes my direct physical being to be there, then I can't, then I'll, I'll miss things. And I don't want to, I just don't want, I don't want to miss things. So when I started kind of digging in on, on real estate and, you know, sort of deciding what strategy I wanted to do. And I told you, you know, I know in construction, so fix and flip made sense. But when I started really thinking about it, it was, it was going to be just another thing that, you know, I can't bring them with me for a while, right? They're not, <laughs> they're not going to be probably safe on a construction site for another no. <laughs> four or five years at least, right? So it's kind of like, I'm going to miss all those things. Um, and so I, it just didn't fit with me. I started listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, and in a lot of the real estate books, it talks about, you know, you need to have a strong why, so you stay motivated and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what I what I was struck by, and the reason I the reason I started the the podcast, or the reason I called the podcast "Know Your Why," and and quite frankly, the reason why I, I in in some day intend to have a nonprofit like charitable foundation type of thing called the Know Your Why Foundation, like is because what what hit me when it came to doing real estate was everybody talks about all these components of it, right? But the one that mattered most to me was hearing that, that you need to have a strong why. And so it was, it's something that I think a lot of people talk about in the books and on the podcast and stuff, but I, I think most of the time it's kind of brushed over. But when I listen to other people's stories, the ones that make me inspired are the ones that they really have dug in and, and, are, and are driven by their why. So um, it's, it's my, it's definitely my family first. Second is just, just giving back. Like I've always, I've always, I've always wanted to be able to be, uh, someone to, to help others, I guess, and, you know, so it's kind of like, I come, we didn't even talk about this, but I, I come from my of background of, of, we didn't have money, we didn't have money growing up. And so, um, for whatever reason, I took that and our constant moving from, you know, sort of apartment to apartment every year was that I was never going to rent. That, that's like I had as a ve- as a very young child, I, I, I guess I had a, a real estate uh, bug in me or something like that, because I was like, I'm never going to rent. It's, it's better to be the owner. Like I figured that out quickly. My grandmother likes to tell the story of how I, as a young, young child, would draw a picture of the house that someday I was going to build 
and there was a room for my grandmother in it and every like it was just I always I always knew that you know like ownership was was important so um and and then that sort of evolved to okay I want that for myself but I I kind of see that that's that's what can be good for everybody right so I want to help people I want to give back to my veterinary community which uh I think a lot of people don't know this but it's it's like first or second highest suicide rate of of professions uh I think with dentists like I think we 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 go back and forth for the title of most suicides between veterinarians and dentists which is um I think unknown outside of the profession but I can I have I have no suicidal thoughts or tendencies, but I can tell you I understand working as a vet why why it's high. I can I can see what it does to people, and so I uh, I want to use my real estate platform to help veterinarians. Why why do you think the suicide the suicide rate is so high? Oh, this is a whole nother. This would be like an entire another podcast about this. The the in a nutshell, uh, overworked, underpaid and underappreciated. So very, very, so nobody goes into veterinary medicine to make money. Okay. That's not a thing. Like nobody, when, when you're a kid and people are like, what do you want to be? If your parents are going to, if your parents are like, this is how you can make money in the world. No one ever says veterinarian. And there's a reason for that. My uncle that I just talked about when I was young and I said, I want to be a veterinarian, he said, you should not be a veterinarian. There are no nice cars in that parking lot. Like that, like he told me that that's a, a bad profession to go into. And it's true. Like from a, from a financial standpoint, it's a terrible profession to go into. I don't want my kids to be vets. Like I, I will guide them away from it for all of these reasons. But one of the reasons, like a lot of vets now that come out have, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars in student debt. Oh, wow. So starting your career in which you're not going to make a lot of money unless you kill yourself working hard is pretty daunting to kind of come. That's how they start, right? The, I see these young kids now, like I say kids, like because they're because because I'm old and they're, <laughs> you know, know mid-20s coming out of vet school. Uh, I see them coming out with all this student debt and and they just want to help animals and and it's they're they're not they're they're going to have trouble taking care of their families while they're trying to help animals and so uh and and then knowing that and then seeing how um some clients will be abusive to the staff or the doctors or whatever. And basically because still people think that veteran, and, and I will say we do this to ourselves in, in the community, in the, in the industry, people think veterinary medicine should be free or should be almost free, uh, despite the fact that we're basically providing the same medical care as when you go to the hospital. So we have the same costs. We have we have MRI, we have CT, we have all the surgical yeah. equipment, we have all the same stuff. We have people that have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and need to pay that debt back. We have all of that same uh, financial burden that MDs would have or lawyers would have or any of those, you know, like 
highly schooled uh, individuals and then make a fraction of what of what they make. And don't get me wrong, there I have figured out how to make some money, but I told you how much I work, right? So it's like you have you pretty much have to own your own business and you have to work in it all the time. That's how you can make some money as a vet, which is not really really it's not sustain sustainable for for quality of life. And so it it's so I tell you these things because this is why the the uh, suicide rate is high, right? It's like what, yeah. if you're already buried in debt and you're working 60 hours a week just to pay your rent and your student loans and you're getting abused by the clients every day, like why would you keep doing that? Yeah. So either people leave veterinary medicine, which is happening a lot. And I think people <laughs> that don't appreciate their vets should realize that it's very difficult to get into a vet right now with COVID for whatever reason, uh, I guess everybody was home and decided to get another pet, but the number of pets in the US increased by like over a million. It was like some crazy amount. And so we thought we would get slower when COVID happened, but instead the workload has about doubled. And so wow. it's insanely busy now, busier than it was before. And so there are, there, like people can't get in right and so if you don't start if you don't start realizing <laughs> that this is a service that that has costs associated with it and you're going to have to pay with it and you should pay for it and you should probably treat your vet well they're not going to be there because they're either going to leave the profession or they're going to leave the earth and none of, like neither of those things are fair like neither of those things are good it's not good for the for those veterinarians it's not good for the for the for the pets right like like one of my things that th probably the one thing about my job as a veterinary surgeon that I really don't like, and it, and it sometimes makes me want to leave the profession is being on call, right? Like working all day long and then knowing that I might still have to go in and work in the night, right? That's, that's brutal. But guess what? If I don't do it, who's going to do it? Yeah. Right. Yeah, like yeah, what, if yeah. I don't do the reason I go in at night is because that pet is going to die if I don't. That's what an emergency surgery is. And so if I don't do it, what happens? Right? So I can't wow. not do it. <laughs> right? Wow. It's just like, I can't. And, and that's the stuff that we, as vets, that's the stuff that we deal with every single day, right? Like that's those, those like <laughs> things that mess with your mind. Like how, how can you, like, how can you do that for 40 years? yeah right so it's like and the, uh, the the lack of recognition i think i think plays a lot because people don't put nothing in perspective they just they're just like oh you're a vet you're your vet surgeon you're a doctor oh you're rich your life is easy people just they just think this way that's it oh you're you're uh you're a lawyer ah your life is easy yeah. and you're like eh. No, no, I'm working 60 hours a week. I'm on call. I have no freedom. I'm, I'm tired. I'm white, like, because I don't sleep. I'm all pale. Uh, people don't put anything in perspective. All those things about me, Mark. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, no, you were red. Now you're a little, you're a little less you're red. A mess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the other question you ask to the guest usually is, um, uh, tell us something that we don't necessarily know about you. 
something or secret you're comfortable sharing something that you love doing that you 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 don't share it with us yeah. or anything it's funny i i uh when i ask this question all the time i, I think a lot of it stumps a lot of people and i have thought about what what would i say and i i think probably the thing that people most people don't know about me that don't know me well is i have and love tattoos <laughs> so i i think that's like a i think that's a thing that people don't expect when they look at me or know me uh and i i they're all hidden because i like i've always thought i need to be able to hide them with a shirt because of my because of my job so i that's probably what i would say that's my that's my <laughs> my Wait, secret are you, reveal. are you fully tattooed like, do no, you no. Have, like i mean i have like five on, on my back okay. and shoulders. but i would i would like really? i would happily have a like a sleeve and stuff i i, I really like that i like i like them on other people i think I think a good tattoo is, is very, very artistic. And I think it's like a, a commitment level also to, to, to do that, to like, they have to mean something like every one of my tattoos means something. Some of them were, I have an uncle who's a graphic artist, like a couple of them he drew, like I have, they, they all, they all mean something. I, I intend to get tattoos that are representative for my kids. Like I, I just, I just like them. I, li I like, I like the artistic nature of it. I think uh, I, I, I like them on other people. Like, I don't know. It's so funny that's probably how, yeah, it's, you don't look like a guy that is into tattoos right. at all. It's, nobody ever, it's like the, it's like the, I don't know if you remember when we were doing the branding of the podcast and I was asking you like, Hey, what, I don't know, send me some music that you envision for your <laughs> podcast, the vibe that you send me, like what, what it was, Eminem, NWA or something like that. I was like, what? That guy is a gangster. Yeah, yeah no, I, I definitely, uh, <laughs> my mom, uh, my mom, I, oh, here's the, here, here's a second thing to that. I used to be in a band. So they're like, oh. we, we had a garage band when I was younger. So that that's probably another thing that that a lot of people that don't know me well but but what do you play? I even bring that huh what do you play uh i sang and played guitar oh really I nice mostly sang i'm not a particularly good guitar player i enjoy it but i i don't know i'm not a particularly good singer i just it was fun to be in a band like i it was with my friends like i we i just it was i love music and i i loved uh you know kind of that bonding time that we had so it was it was fun when when i feel like we were decent when we worked at it but we just all had jobs and other you know what i mean it was just like life got <laughs> life got in the way but but yeah i my mom would always be like why do you why do you listen to to angry music and i was like so i don't have to I me mean, it's like a a representative like it, it it takes my anger from me it, ta it takes any of those like life uh you know stresses that you have or like the things that you um you know people use from their childhood that they're like i'm gonna let this ruin the rest of my life I'm like i'm not gonna let it ruin the rest of my life i won't be i won't be a victim and i'll i but when i hear music that that's why i like that's why i like rap because i like the lyrics right so i like okay. that's what i i like about music i don't i don't love music that doesn't have words because i think the lyrics have a lot of meaning so that's kind of um i guess that's when I, you know, when you said what would, <laughs> what would fit, and it's like obviously we can't use Eminem as the opening to the, to no. the thing, but it's kind of like that's uh, that's music does mean a lot to me. So it, it's it's not 
if you uh, got on my Apple or my 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 Apple t- iTunes or whatever, it's very very varied. Like there's the Beatles so cool. and Eminem and Tool and uh, Adele and like it's, I'm just trying to like it's it's just kind of everything. I don't love country music. Maybe that's my wife does. So it's I have to listen to it sometimes. But yeah. She's from, the, from south. the south, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's in her blood, but yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the other question you ask the guest, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch things around a little bit. Usually you ask the guest, what can I do for you? But I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you another question derived from that. I'm gonna ask you, what do you do for yourself every week? to take care of yourself? What is the thing that you do only for yourself that is not linked to your family? It's not linked to your work, to your job. It's not a little something that, what is the gift that you offer to yourself, let's say every week? A little something you do just for you. It could be, it could be very small and stupid. Like I'm gonna give you a really stupid example. Something I do besides running, one thing that I really love doing, I know it sounds really, really, I love to go get a smoothie. I, I know it sounds super dumb, but I love to park my car somewhere and get a sm- alone and get a smoothie. What do you want me to say? I'm that funky. But that's like, <laughs> yeah. that's such a gift for me. That's yeah. such a reward, you know? So do you have a little something like that? A little something that you do just for yourself, like a gift that you offer to yourself on a weekly basis or something that you... Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't, exercise okay i i have a trainer like i i pay a trainer uh i you know people talk a lot about especially in the real estate space like investing in yourself um i i play soccer and i have a trainer and i and i i say that i do those things for myself and i 100 i do but i also do those things for my family because i'm a different person if i don't get to exercise yes So I, I, I don't, I don't have a quiet mind, right? I don't know. I I don't, I don't relax well, like, like going and laying on a beach or whatever, like none of that stuff. It doesn't work for me because I just, my mind starts to think about all the things I could be doing or should be doing. And so what I do for myself is the, what gets me away from that is exercise and music, right? Like people, people talk about, you know, like, how can you listen to music in surgery? And for me, it actually focuses me. And it has, it's always been that way. Like mucus, mu- music focuses me by taking away the part of my brain that's like maybe ADHD or wh- whatever it is. Like that part that's just like thinking, 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 thinking. If I can just focus on the music that I like, then I can focus on what I'm doing, whether that be surgery or whatever it is. Um, but, but yeah, to, I mean, to answer the question, it's, it's, it's exercise. Like I, uh, I pay a trainer for a couple of reasons. He's fantastic. He deserves to be paid. I, I, <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no reason not to. However, for me, it's accountability and probably variability. Like I, I would, I know how to work out. I've done sports my whole life. Like I, I know how to exercise. I don't need someone to teach me how to exercise. I need someone to come up with new things that will challenge me all the time because otherwise I'll just do the same thing. Like I'll have three workouts and I do every, (laughs) like the same three workouts each week. So 
I know if, if I have a trainer, he'll change those things up for me. I also know if I have an appointment to go work out with him, I will go work out. So I know I would easily let that slide if I get busy with other stuff. Like I, I just know myself enough to say like, if I didn't, if I didn't have things scheduled to work out, then I would not work out and be like, look what else I can get done during this time. But it really, uh, yeah, I, that's, that's what I do. Where, where do you train? What's, what's the name of your coach of your, of your trainer? Um, the name of the place is, is superior barbell club and his name is Casey Forey. He's uh, strength by Casey on Instagram. Um, but he's, he's fantastic. Like I, I tell people all the time, like, well, on social media, I tell people, <laughs> I, I post about it sometimes. Like, I don't think there's a better trainer in LA. Like I really, I, and I, and I think that's saying a lot because there's a lot of trainers in LA. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's a, it's a big, a big industry here, but I, I just think in terms of, um, what he puts into trying to, to better himself as a, as a trainer in, and I mean, as a person, but like in, in the gym and in himself, like he, he wants to increasingly improve that like experience of the people that come to his gym or that he trains. And he, uh, is, he pushes me, uh, and you know, I, I joke, I'm like, I keep waiting for the day. This is going to get easy. And it's, never gets easy but i getting stronger so I'm, and it's good it's it's when i you know when i started with him i mean i've been working out with him for for probably three or four years now but like what one of the things that you know back to sort of my why one of the things when when my son was born you know like babies are on the floor all the time and stuff my knees were in a pretty bad place from all the years of abuse through sports and things like that. I couldn't, I couldn't get up and down off the floor with him. Like it was, it was hard to, it hurt to do that. I would do it because I wasn't going to not play with my son, but it hurt to get up and down. And I, I told Casey that I'm like, I gotta, I gotta fix this. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I I've always had strong legs. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. And he like, he broke it all down. He does a lot of continuing education on, uh, sports science nutrition all of it and and now i feel better than i have like probably in 20 years you should have him on the podcast i yes you're right i should i think you should you should invite him on the podcast you know yeah it's important that you you of, of course it's important to talk about real estate and all that but but i think you shouldn't be scared oh. to have an outsider like like this well and he's a know? business owner too you know he oh, perfect him, so i i think yeah no i you're 100 right and i i, I should awesome he came on the, when I was doing the Sunday night live thing, he came on there. We did a, did a cool. thing with that, but yeah, I, I should have him on the, on the podcast too. Oh yeah. 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 Let's have him on the podcast for sure. So I think that's a wrap. I'm going to let you wrap this up. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you everyone for, for listening to a bit of my story. Um, hopefully it gives you a little bit of <laughs> a peek behind the curtain, but, um, yeah. And thanks. Thanks to all the guests I've had in the past uh, and the guests that I'll have in the future. I, I do. Uh, this is not a this was not a comfortable undertaking for me to start this podcast, but I'm really happy. And thank you, Mark, for for guiding me through. But I'm really happy I did because I I love the conversations. It's it's really been great. So with that, we will we will sign off. Have a great day. I'd like to show you why knowing your why 
is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.